Hello, and welcome back to the Date Night Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Russell, and with me is my co-host, Ashley Russell. Hey, everyone. It's been a little while, hasn't it? It's been so long. It's great to be back. Yeah, and you know, the reason for the lack of episodes is pretty simple. It's just been, there's been a lack of movies. Or I guess I should say- Lack of good movies. Yeah, movies we're talking about, really, to be honest. Um, And the calendar just kind of, it's kind of dried up around like late summer, early fall. And box office is at the lowest point that it's been in decades. So it's really been slim pickings there. There's there's been, you know, maybe one or two good movies this year, in my opinion. Well, we saw Top Gun. It's the highest grossing movie of the year so far. And pretty much everyone who's seen that seems to enjoy it, at least a little bit. Yeah. I don't know too many people who are like, oh, that movie sucks. It did so well because of the word of mouth. Yeah. So that was a real crowd pleaser. That's been a highlight. But aside from that, it's it's been rough. It's been as rough. far as big movies yeah. and even little movies, it's been rough. It's been I, rough. I here. will say I, we saw we saw the menu a couple of weeks ago that yep. I actually enjoyed, um, even though it was a little a little gruesome. Sure, but um, it was interesting. It was unique. Something it was original. Original. Yeah, not 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 bad. Not yeah. a bad movie. Not a sequel. Sure. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> aimed at adults. Yeah. yeah just, just something a little different. That movie's been doing okay. Yeah. So yeah, I think for the time being, you know, new episodes, they'll be put out with less frequency than we're, we're used to. Yeah. But we're still watching movies. And on this episode, we've got a big one to talk about. It's Avatar, The Way of Water. This is, of course, the long-awaited follow-up to James Cameron's record-breaking smash hit, Avatar, which came out in 2009. And as of this recording, it remains the highest-grossing movie worldwide. Yes. And a fun fact for our listeners, Avatar was one of the first movies that you and I saw together when we started dating. That's true. Well, 13 years ago. That's right. Yeah, it was one of our first date movies. Like, wow. And yeah, I mean, we met in September 2009, and we were doing the long-distance dating thing for a while. And I can actually list the first handful of movies that we saw together during that period. Are you ready? I'm ready. 2012. <laughs> that was the first. <laughs> we remember that one. Not a great movie. Yeah, not a great movie. But um, after that, uh, we got The Blind Side. Yeah, that was a good one. And then The Princess and the Frog. That was okay. And then, yeah, after that was Avatar, which um, we saw in California where you were visiting me. Yeah. Uh, were you a fan of Avatar when you saw it? I was. The first movie? Yeah, absolutely. It was It was fresh. It was unique. It was kind of like the first kind of motion cap movie that, that was out there that they put. Um, well, the first one done on that scale. Yeah. Right? Because we've, yeah, yeah. we've done motion capture with like Gollum yeah. before. I mean, the, the Polar Express, that was mocap, you know, with Tom Hanks on the train. But to the extent that James Cameron wanted to utilize it, it had never been done on that scale. No, yeah. Combined with like photo reel, virtual environments, a, a real breakthrough. He created this world uh, of Pandora. It feels like fully realized. Well, it's the fully world. realized, but it, it's kind of like on the same wavelength as, you know, Harry Potter's and the, the Star um, Wars. Star Wars and like all of these things where they're creating yep. this brand new environment with languages with different species like it's just really cool customs like so you you have to go and when you're thinking about a movie like this and you're writing the script you have to like you i mean think of holy smoke every detail yeah it's it's a big undertaking but you know we mentioned harry potter you know lord of the rings star wars um 
Avatar hasn't quite, I mean, despite being the highest, the highest grossing movie ever, it hasn't quite had like the cultural impact of those other franchises. Would you say? I agree. I agree. I think there's more cult cultism on those other franchises than there is Avatar. But I, then again, I think that has to do with the characters. It does. Avatar is kind of lacking in memorable characters. Yeah. The characters are kind of stock. I think most people, if pressed, they couldn't even recall who the main character is yeah. of Avatar. Yeah. Is Jake Sully. They would probably say the handicapped kid. <laughs> the handi- the handicapped um, army vet. S- yeah, the, the Australian dude. Sa- or, or Sam Sig- Worthington. Sydney Sydney Weaver. Like Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> Dr. Grace Jones. Yeah. Unforgettable characters, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, if there's any shortcoming to the movie, it would be that the characters are maybe a little thin. Yeah. I, I would say the characters, probably the Navi characters are a little bit more in depth. I would say the human characters are not so much. Human characters are more or less like the villains. The villains are pretty stock, like yeah. cut out, very obvious. And like Stephen Lang as like Colonel Quaritch, who I love, he's a lot of fun. But he's playing it real broad. He's playing it like like an anime villain. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like It's very cartoonish, yeah. the way he kind of... But it still like, holds we, together. The experience still holds together. Like, I just... I can't... I can't imagine somebody like that just having absolutely no heart, no, like, compassion. He's not, re- he's about, not really given much no, depth. He, no. I mean... And we'll get into it. Even in the sequel, he's not he's not really rounded out that much. <laughs> because spoiler alert, he's the villain in the sequel too. <laughs> Thirteen years, and they couldn't think of a new villain. Oh my god! But no, just going back to the original, I would give the theatrical experience of watching Avatar an A. I would give the home video viewing experience like a B. Yeah, it really is a movie that diminishes on a smaller screen. It does. I like it, it, like I, I rewatched the the first Avatar not too long ago, and it didn't have the same impact as it does when you're in a huge theater. The you movie have strengths to see it in in theaters. The movie's strengths are really like visual and just the immersion into the world, and that of course, I mean, that's amplified on a big screen. It's yeah. diminished on the small screen. But honestly, when Avatar was in theaters, I went back multiple times because I really just, I love the spectacle. I love the eye candy. And, you know, in general, I'm a pretty big James Cameron fan. I'd probably put his two Terminator movies as my favorite. But you got Aliens, The Abyss, True Lies, Titanic. These are all bangers. And Avatar is worthy of being in that company, I think. Yeah, I just, I view all these as like very entertaining, significant creative achievements. Do you have a favorite James Cameron film? I mean, duh, it's Titanic. <laughs> I mean, Titanic is the, in, in my opinion, is one of uh, James Cameron's best, like, character-driven dramas, right? There was drama, there was intrigue, there was romance, there think, was action. I think it's the only historical drama he's done. Most of his movies are, like, science fiction spectacles. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and Titanic then, was a departure for him. And then just the set of, you know, you see the back behind the scenes on, on how Titanic was made. I mean, it's a pretty realistic ship. I mean, in a huge pool. Like, yes, there's CGI in it. But I think a lot of it was real live action. 
And it, it was done with a lot of stunt work. It was a, another huge undertaking. All and he his had movies. Two really good actors that everybody knows. I mean, Leo, Leo and Kate Winslet. I mean, there were there were lines in there that people still to this day can can say and like they say over and over and over again. Like, and you know exactly. I'm the king of the world. Yeah. James Cameron said it himself when he won his Oscars. I'll never let go. <laughs> she let go. But you know. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the kind of movies that resonate with me. You know, Terminator was great. I mean, you got Austin La Vista, baby, and you got um, something I'll be back. I'll be back. Well, the, f- the first two. He did the first two, and then he stopped. And those first two are yeah. classic. They are just awesome sci-fi action classics. Both one and two are, are, are equally awesome in my yeah. book. Um, so, yeah, your favorite is Titanic. And, yeah, that... It's a great movie. And it was it was it was long too, but you know, I it's a three I, hour movie that yeah. it still flows. It flows it very flows. fast. And you don't think that it's three hours. Well, because um, you kind of like you become part of the people on the ship. Yeah, it you feels, become, you and you're experiencing a, it yes. on the ship. Yes, and just the way he kind of uses time there yes. to, to make you immersed on that ship. So he very skilled director. I mean, one one of the top. And so, yeah, you know, back to Avatar, you know, when it came out, that was when 3D was being reintroduced as a novelty. And I mean, 3D was around in the 50s. It died off. It came back in the 80s. Then it died off. And then thanks to movies like Avatar, it became popular again in the late aughts. And that's how you and I saw it originally in IMAX 3D. But since then, the appeal of 3D has really worn off. And I, I personally have really soured on the format. And my opinion is that 3D is a scam. <laughs> especially if you're being charged extra for it. And listeners can check out our episode on Alita, Battle Angel, to hear me rant more about 3D. But in short, I don't fuck with the glasses. Well, it gives me a headache, um, yeah. a, a big headache. And it's just, it's not really, it doesn't add anything for not, me. Not for me. Not for um, me. Some people claim that yeah. they're getting something out of it. I, I never have. And... You know, one of the things that you and I actually agree on. (laughs) Well, I knew I knew that there would be another 3D push with the release of this film because it's James Cameron and Avatar. Well, he he made it. I mean, the way that he made it, too, was specific to 3D. Like it wasn't just one frame or one scene that's 3D and then changes because that's how it was before. Like. They only did a couple of scenes that were 3D. He really did shot it in 3D. I think he created the camera. Yeah, to be able it to. It was do like that. a new stereoscopic so. rig, absolutely. And yeah, to his credit, like he doesn't use 3D to just like throw shit in your face. No, uh, he uses it to give, I guess, like immersion, the, the sense of immersion and just depth in, yeah. in the in the image. But you know, again, it. It diminishes the image for me. It doesn't really work for me. And so, yeah, I knew they were going to push it again with this movie. And I knew that you and I, we were going to have to go out of our way to avoid watching it in the format. Because, again, I don't mess with the glasses. I don't mess with them. But we do like watching it in Dolby. Well, we like big screens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm all for a giant screen, great surround sound. Give it to me. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was really nice in Dolby. So so we did. Yeah, we, we saw this in, in Dolby. 2D without the glasses, but James Cameron, he he throws a new wrinkle into the mix with this movie with, aye, with aye. the high frame rate. And that was something I, I wasn't expecting for this presentation. I knew that like IMAX 3D showings had it. 
our showing wasn't marked with that. Yeah. So it was a real surprise, <laughs> you know, when those opening logos kind of started and it was clear like, it, it was, said that it was different. That so, it, something yeah. was off. And I think you and I kind of looked at each other like, what? Like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. But I guess, you know, in short, what high frame rate is, it's a projected frame rate that's higher than the standard 24. So it's usually like 48 or 60 frames per second. 10 years ago, Peter Jackson experimented with this with the Hobbit movies. And the feedback was not positive. And so those, you know, HFR screenings, they were very limited. And Ang Lee. He's also experimented with this in movies like Gemini Man, which we've discussed on this show. And the purpose of doing this, according to the filmmakers, is that the image is crystal clear with more immediacy and less motion blur. Because 24 frames, it gives on-screen action a kind of attractive, dreamlike motion blur that we register subconsciously. And HFR eliminates that. And it gives the appearance of ultra-sharp video the effect is kind of like a TV display at Best Buy that has like motion smoothing cranked all the way up. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I do. Yeah. That's kind of how it looked, right? Yeah. So it's a fine look for live sports and video games. It's a, a straight up dreadful look for feature length motion pictures. Well, yeah. I mean, it. it but we it, already proved this with the Hobbit movies. We, we did. And, you know, I, I'll be honest, like when. It wasn't throughout the whole film. It was they yeah, pick that's, and, they pick and choose which scenes to do. So like that's the new little kink. You your eyes can't settle into it. And so I, I I kept having to look away from the screen so I wouldn't get like motion sickness or like dizziness. It's like that's why I don't like handheld is because I get dizzy. I get and there's motion a, sickness. There's a lot I, of I just don't handheld like high frame rate footage in this, right? Yeah, and it's disorienting because it feels like things are moving too quickly especially when there's a lot of movement on screen it's too there's too much for your eye to like register i mean the high frame rate i think worked a little better with the underwater stuff because things don't move as quickly underwater yeah that's where it felt like a little slowed down but above water it was dreadful and disorienting like you said and yeah like you know with the hobbit movies and gemini man at least it was a set frame rate if you're going to see it in that high frame rate it's going to stay at that frame rate but here it's literally like a wide shot is 60 frames. We'll punch him for a close up and it's at 24. And then we'll punch back out to a high frame rate. And it's like that for three flipping hours. Three hours. <laughs> and so your eyes. No, three and a half. Your eyes never adjust. Yeah, three hours plus. I mean, throwing previews. Three and a half hours long. <laughs> it's, it's half your day. <laughs> it's and a very puzzling way to present a movie. I know James Cameron's a master, but what the hell is this? Back when the first Avatar came out, and even Titanic and all of that, we didn't have social media really at our fingertips. We didn't really have instant gratification. People could sit in a theater and be entertained. Now, I think with social media, with our phones and with everything at our, at our fingertips right now, three and a half hours is it's, a it, it's too long. <laughs> You know, I just I can't concentrate for three and a half hours on a movie that is making me nauseous. <laughs> so, yeah, this uh, the running time really feels um, long, ultra indulgent. Like the man doesn't make sure. I guess that's why maybe his first Terminator is my favorite because it's well under two hours. He didn't have a huge ass budget. He had to really keep it tight and economical. And to me, like, it's it's his tightest, leanest film. Yeah, because uh, he really he really just gets carried away with himself. 
this guy. Um, but I guess, you know, let's let's kind of get into the plot. Let's do it. So this movie, it picks up over a decade after the first film. Jake Sully, he's living in Pandora, and he's got what seems like half a dozen kids. With, he's got four kids. I mean. Well, I think they have three of their own and then two adopted. I think is the deal. Spider is not adopted. Well, is he adopted? He's one of the adopted kids. Yeah, okay. So yeah, the kids are- so it'd be five. Five kids, yeah. Natiam, Loak. Yeah. Took. Yeah. Kiri. Yeah. And Spider. And Spider. <laughs> and we're introduced to all these kids in the span of like a minute and a half. And like some of their backstories don't even make any sense. Like Kiri, she's the spawn- of Sigourney Weaver's avatar? Yeah, I they don't really go go into that. Is, is this like a like a Jesus baby? Like what is this? I well, she doesn't know who her dad is. I mean, that's kind of like the she has no idea. Um How it, do how do avatars give birth? But but it could be because now Sigourney Weaver is now part of the home the tree? ancestors in the home tree. I think she got plugged and, into the home tree in the first one. And maybe there was something that transferred when they tried to save her and put her in her avatar. Well, we got three but more. But we don't know. We have three more movies to unpack that. Yeah. <laughs> so. either, either that or Sigourney Weaver had a crush on or had an affair with somebody. Could have been like taking advantage of somebody. Like, well, we don't it, know. I guess that's what I'm confused by. Like, is it. Is it like her avatar that's getting busy with someone? Yeah, it was her avatar in the cryo. But uh, so and, the and and some of the kids were full Navi, and then some of them had uh, there were there were half and half. So I think the oldest son was full Navi, and then all the rest were half and half. I think. I think you're right, and yeah. I I don't know if I fully understand that. Again, the movie just spins through this part really fast. And, and the only, but the only way that they knew that they were half and half was because the the Navi have four fingers and the mixed was five. I guess that plays into the plot later on. Later on, a yeah. little bit. And so we should mention Spider. Mild spoiler: he is the son of Colonel Quaritch. Yeah. And so I mean that ends up being like a major. Didn't even know that Colonel Quaritch had. Yeah, this is another like he I don't had, I don't fully understand this relationship apparently in Pandora, right? I mean, I, I you just got to go with it again. We're, we're given ninety seconds to kind of like process all these kids' backstories, and yeah, speaking of Quaritch, he's back in Avatar form. His character's consciousness has been uploaded into an Avatar body, and really the whole thrust of the film is Quaritch seeking revenge against Jake. And that's kind of the whole plot. Well, yeah, and I think he gets brought back by, I'm not going to say U.S. military, I'm going to say the world military, because I think it's, because the Earth is dying, and so we're trying to figure out yeah, where Earth, else to go. Humans want to inhabit Pandora yeah. for, to make it their Earth, too. Yeah, and so two birds, one stone, they want to knock out the ringleader, which is Jake Sully. This is kind of set up with like Edie Falco's yeah. character. She's the one like kind of giving him the orders. There's a scene where she's in like this weird mech suit and oh. she's drinking coffee. Yeah. 
She's got like real coffee in one hand and then like a fake coffee in her robot hand or, or something like that. Yeah. I, and it's like, where are her hands going? <laughs> <laughs> and like, and her robot is like kickboxing. Yeah. I think at one point. Well, that, that's how you get introduced to her. <laughs> yeah. So she, I just. She's doing her martial arts and, you know. It's it's a weird kind of like skeleton robot that she's walking around like on stilts. <laughs> But so yeah, she gives him the orders uh, to kind of draw Jake out. Then it's a then then it pushes out to like once they then once they land, and they they burn a lot of the forest. It drives them out of the yeah the it, Pandora forest. It drives them out of the Pandora forest, but it's like a it, it's like a year later, and then Earth is settled and creating their own little like area. Do we flash forward a year? Yes. Okay. And yeah, so like Quaridge and his team of like recombinant Marines, they, they chase Sully and his family out. I mean, I, I, there's a number of times where like they kidnap the kids. Number of times. Like who does that? Like over and over. I'm like, are, are they like holding guns at like kids' heads in this movie? Yeah. Didn't like that. Yeah. Guns, um, they put they put knives to their throats. Like Yeah, like uh yeah. Kids. Like, I, too too much like kids in mortal jeopardy uh in this movie for my taste. And then they had a um they they actually caught one and put him through torture. His own, his even, own kid, yeah. Sp even, Spider is like a weird like psychological torture yeah. thing. Kind of funny. Uh, but, but like <laughs> It's weird. It's and they, so weird. Like it's like no rules. Like no holds bar. Like they don't care about Yeah. And the, the kids are really the main characters in this movie. I feel like that's never the direction I want like a badass sci-fi action franchise to take is like, what are the kids up to? Yeah. <laughs> but they really are like the main characters I, here. I, I think that they changed Jake Sully's personality. And what I mean by that is like he's now afraid and i mean i get it the well, kids but like he's afraid for the kids he just he, he thinks that running away he's all about protecting gonna, his family yeah at all costs and and protecting his people and he thinks that protecting his people means running away and not fighting back i thought that was one of the nice screenplay elements of the first is that jake's character really does have a full arc yeah in that film like his character along with the audience goes on a full journey and it's a subjective journey. Like we have a clear point of view in that film. Yeah. And that, and that point of view takes us through the world of Pandora. And um, yeah, here uh, Jake has no character arc. Uh, no. I would say it, it's, uh, I mean, we're back at square one really. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause he, they leave and they, and then they go to the, a, a water tribe that is on the other side of Pandora. It's an islands that is not even close. Right, it's yeah. They go to like a reef area where they meet up with the uh, Metkayina clan. Yeah, and uh, we got Cliff Curtis and Kate Winslet. Yeah, as um, like the leaders of the tribe. I didn't realize that was Kate Winslet. Yeah, oh. I'm not not sure what she's doing in this movie. <laughs> to be honest, but I thought Cliff Curtis was good. Yeah, he was good. He like he he's probably doing the best acting, and I mean, the kids acting generally kind of sucks. But Sam Worthington was solid, even though he's he doesn't have a whole lot to do. We didn't even say that Spider is dressed like Tarzan in the entire movie. Oh, in the entire movie. He's just movie. wearing a loincloth. Yeah. Like, he wants to be like the avatars, you know, and the, it's fine. In the opening scene, it's it's whatever. But like by the end of the movie, like he's still he's been with like General Quarks the whole time. He's still just like just wearing a loincloth. <laughs> 
It was just it, that. That's not it, what he's raised. He's was, raised with the avatars who dress. So you 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 were cool with that. I'm it just, fine with that. It went with the character. That's, just, that's how he was raised. And this guy's got dreadlocks. It just it looked silly. Yeah, that was it. It looked silly. The dreadlocks did look a little silly. But that's well, fine. And also but an that, air mask. Well, yeah, but <laughs> I mean, a very silly look. The avatars were have dreadlocks, so it's not. It's goofy. Yeah, <laughs> but. Um, what's her face? The, the, the Zoe Saldana. Zoe Saldana. I didn't. Her very, very underused. Was very underutilized. I, I'm curious as to maybe she was doing Guardians of the Galaxy at the same time and had limited time <laughs> to really like do this. I'm being serious. Sure. Because you don't see her. The whole training period of them learning how to train in the water and all of that. You don't really see her character. It's, it's all about the kids, and it's all about Sam. All about the damn kids. Well, and the whale also. Well, and the whale. The yeah. whale is a major character. Yeah, it's a shame because Natiri was one of the stronger characters from the first. Yeah. And Zoe Saldana was really great, I thought, in that role. And here she is just way underutilized. Again, I mean, we have to make way for half a dozen kids. And, you know, we got to get their little subplots. How about, how about like two or three kids? We got to have five that we got to play track? Their love was so much, Patrick, that they had to procreate. <laughs> and they they don't have birth control like they do here. Clearly, there's no Navi birth control, I guess. But yeah, this is the whole movie, it's essentially a chase film, but it moves really slow. And it takes three hours long for this chase to really come to a head. But the structure and the main story beats are kind of identical to the yeah. first film. Which Same. is I, I have a beef with sequels that start off by undoing the events of the previous film. Yeah. Because we saw Quaritch take multiple arrows to the chest, right? Yeah. Dead. On screen. It yeah. was a satisfying death. Let that stand. Let that stand and bring in a new villain. Like, I would have loved Edie Falco. Movie undoes it. Absolutely. To Edie be, Falco. To be the villain. And like maybe have some kind of character arc where they try to make peace at the beginning and then something happens and then all hell breaks loose. Or hear me out, establish a new threat. Yeah. And then like if you're determined to bring back Quaritch, save that for like a third act kind of deal. Or or maybe- or like, like you're a, raising the stakes. Yeah, or maybe like a, a civil war on Pandora. Like- Maybe they're building to that. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Like something along those lines versus bringing back the same villain. It just, it and seemed then, incredibly unimaginative to hang the whole movie on the same conflict. Yeah. But yeah, but before we go too much further and get into spoilers- what were your overall thoughts of this film? <laughs> I, think I, I think I know what you're going to say. <laughs> yeah, you're just shaking your head, giving like a Tony Soprano frown. <laughs> I mean, I, I would probably say it was a C minus. And it's not the popular opinion right now, because I think a lot of people... Well, got an A cinema score. Yeah, I don't know I how. Just, you know, they, they asked us to review this. I'm like, you don't want me to do that. Did you say that? Yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah. Well, it takes 20 minutes to fill those things out. Yeah. So they could help themselves out by like trimming that process like, down. You, you like, really, just give us a grade yeah. and let that be that. Yeah, you don't really want me to do that. <laughs> it was, but I mean, our experience was really marred by the, the frame rate yeah. bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the frame rate and, and bringing back an old villain and that, that was just. I feel like if I'm looking beyond the frame rate issue, which really just made the whole thing very unpleasant to sit through for three hours. Looking beyond that, I, trying to be objective, I feel like this is kind of just 
it's like a an average franchise blockbuster yeah. with above average visual effects. Like the, the effects are great. I, I think. Yeah. <laughs> They're needed- hard to tell with that frame rate, but it makes it look a, like a fucking video game. I, I think that it needed to have a little more humor. It was such a serious movie, too. Oh yeah. There was there was no humor in it. Even in Titanic, there was humor in it. Like the, there the first was- Avatar. There's humor yeah. in it. Absolutely. Um, but there was a lot of bullying because Sully's kids weren't like anybody else. You know, they were different from the, you know, the water tribe. And that's fine. Like, they get over that. It's just so serious. And anyone who is sensitive to depictions of animal abuse, even though these are cartoons. Yeah. Right. If you're sensitive to that, uh, I mean, this movie will probably trigger some. It triggered something some for feelings. me. It, yeah. yeah there, like, there's, there are stretches of this movie that are distressing to watch. And it, because it's James Cameron, it like a one minute sequence goes on for 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but let's uh, let's take a, a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into spoilers for Avatar The Way of Water. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back, and we're going to get into some spoilers for Avatar The Way of Water. Uh, So uh, one of their sons, Loak, befriends a whale, or what's known as a tolkun. Yep. And this tolkun is named Payakan. Yep. (laughs) Payakan. And and you better believe we're having subtitled conversations with whales in this movie. (laughs) Here here is the thing. So these, these whales, they are pack animals. Like, they will travel in packs and... And this whale was out an outcast. He was kicked out of his whale tribe. Just like Loak. Just a, a Loak feels like an outcast because right. he doesn't think the same way. And Sully's really hard on him. And so he bonded with this whale. Payakan. Payakan. And Payakan was a known killer. Like the whales do not kill. Um, even if they're being attacked, they don't kill. And so Pyakon was different in the sense that he's a lot like Lomac in the sense that he wants to take action, maybe take action without thinking of the consequences. And they and that that is a lot of connection between the two. And so they've bonded now. This whale stuff takes up maybe 30 to 40 minutes of the film. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot of whale stuff. It was interesting because each whale is bonded to an avatar. I, I, yeah, I found some of this stuff. Or the Navi. Or no, not the Navi. What was the, the Murta? Mur, mur, Metkayina. Metkayina. <laughs> so each whale is bonded to a Metkayina. Right. Tribe. This whale stuff, it's a significant portion of the film. I guess for me, like I find this interesting to a degree. To a degree. To a degree. But we kind of, do, we spend a little too much time on it. And we... We definitely spend way too much time on the whaling scenes. Well, yeah. So here, here is the thing. So in the first movie, it was an obtainium. 
They're after that unobtainium. And they they didn't obtain it. (laughs) (laughs) Do they mention that at all in this one? Yes, they do. They're like, uh, unobtainium with small potatoes. We're not after that anymore. While he while they kill the whale with the mom, they kill the 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 mom and and the calf, which is traumatic. This is like a ten minute sequence of them firing bullets and explosive harpoons at whales. Yeah, I mean it's it's so like horrible. And you're seeing like like the whale like bleeding and crying out. I mean, like it just goes on and on. After hearing that these whales have emotions, that they're smart, that they're intelligent beings, and that they they have so much more, they can communicate. Like they they are more intelligent than than humans, right? And then they're going after a mom and her baby that she waited so long to have. Which goes, whale? Which whale did they kill? The mom? The 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 mom. The the big the one that was bonded to the the chieftain's wife. Okay. To Kate Winslet's character. And it's yeah, it's this horrible scene. And then right after that, we see them like graphically drill right up into its brain. <laughs> and we find out that this brain juice. <laughs> It's like a serum that they they drill out of. This is literally a scene in the movie. Yeah. They're drilling out whale brain juice. (laughs) And this is like an (laughs) anti-aging thing. So like for humans, you take it, you don't age, and you live forever. And so obviously, you know, people are afraid of dying. Like And it's worth like 80 million per per per, vial. Per vial, per per whale. Right. But it, it, it's what's funding everything. I, okay. <laughs> like, what? Whatever. Right? Like, whatever. <laughs> it's so stupid. I can, yeah. I mean, I, I can roll with some of this stuff um, and maybe a less seri- self serious movie. I just, I, I find it very disheartening that you have a lot of characters that just have no heart. It becomes repetitive it, it just for becomes, one thing, especially it, over three hours. Yeah, it becomes it it's becomes repetitive. repetitive. Like they, they only have one like strain of focus. Like the bad guys have no redemptive qualities. No redemptive qualities, and that was the scientist or the hunter of the whales. I think one of the one of the scientists. I think Jermaine Clement. He kind of seems, but he goes along with it. He goes along with it, but he doesn't. We can see he's like a little conflicted. Well, and I think at <laughs> that's the, about I, the degree I, of shading I think we get. At the end, I think he was happy that the whale took yeah, charge. That's I guess back. that that's like one little degree of of depth we get with these bad guys. But otherwise, they are pretty stock. Yeah, just stone cold killers. I find all of that stuff kind of at odds with the movies' environmental themes. Like it's a heavy environmentalist movie. Yeah. That was that was a big part of the first film, and I'm all for that. And it's heavy, uh, heavy like being heavy one with here. nature, being one with yeah. mother, being one with you P- know protect the land around yeah. you. But James Cameron, I mean, he really kind of fetishizes all of the like abuse and carnage, and these guys just going like crazy, like blowing shit up and setting things on fire and abusing animals, abusing the other tribes, like. The so like, colonel went to different tribes and like burnt down their environment, burnt down their houses. That stuff, it, it felt better balanced in the first. Yeah, there there was a lot of stuff I was just uncomfortable with. And I, I can handle a violent movie when I feel like violence is warranted, when there's meaning behind it. Yeah, these guys are like, just but, but stalking just, whales. They're just violent for the sake of being violent because they are trying to take over this planet and they're going to do everything they can to make it happen. And that, to me, just is not warranted. 
you know. Well, they are the bad guys. So they are the bad guys. That's and I, to the movie's credit, you know, killing this whale, it's depicted as a devastating moment for the Mekayina clan. Yeah. It's kind of in, like in the first film when they take down the home tree. Like that triggers the big battle. Yeah. Right? Like yep. that's like a step too far. That's what this whale hunting is. Like it's the home tree. It's so, the home tree. Yeah. It brings Jake out of hiding. Yeah. And it. It sets the stage for the final hour of the film where we get a, you know, a series of standoffs and uh, it kind of culminates with it's like Jake and Quaritch with a knife fight, yeah. just like the first. But it's like fight after fight after fight. Like they, you know, Jake gets his kids back. Kids, kids get kidnapped and held at gunpoint again. <laughs> And then used his bait again. Yeah. And then big spoiler alert. This was kind of heartbreaking. His oldest son got shot and, and his oldest son died. And then they had to go back and they had to fight because the daughters were still held captive right. on the ship. <laughs> Too much holding kids hostage with and this movie to motivate action. Like it, it it's really, too much. It really was. It's too much. And, and then they do another fight and then they, you know, they kill everybody except the colonel, and then the ship starts to go down lot like Titanic. One of, one of the whales like tr causes the ship to go yeah. down, right? I mean, it's cool, cool yeah. stuff. There's cool stuff all throughout here. Yeah, I don't want to. I mean, we're bagging on it, but there's like stunning imagery. There's like a crab submarine that for me was like one of the most striking images. I mean, we get stuff with Natiri firing arrows into hel helicopter pilots, and they're yeah, crashing down. Nice. Yeah, I I can't get enough of that shit. There are great action beats throughout this hour-long climax, but for me, none of it topped the climax from the first film. No. Where like banshees are like tossing helicopters into other helicopters, and we're jumping out of airships and mech suits, and it's like exploding behind us. I thought that was thrilling. That yeah. scene still plays really great. This was uh, this was a little too overindulgent because they they had it goes on for an hour. It goes on for an hour, and obviously stuff does get blown up. And yes, yeah, so <laughs> shit, shit gets blown up for sure. One of one of my favorite moments was when the whale takes matters in his own hands with a harpoon and wraps the harpoon wire around the boat. Is that when the guy gets his? Uh huh. Yeah, a guy gets his arm pinned like against a wall by oh, yeah. like a heavy rope. Yep. And then the rope breaks, ripping his arm off with it. Yeah. That, that's, awesome. Well, yeah. And it's, it's satisfying because he's like the bad guy. He's like the main hunter. Sure. Yeah. So like it's uh, it's satisfying. Stuff like that. that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Stuff like that. I, I'll eat it up for sure. I would have loved to see the whole whale family come in and bonded a, together and destroyed it's a cool climax, it. but yeah, it feels like Cameron is kind of holding back a little bit. I would have honestly, I, I would have liked a little more underwater action. Yeah. And we just, we get a lot of above sea level knife fights. Like it culminates with a fucking knife fight, just like the first. And by that point, I was really kind of worn out. It's like, okay, now we're going to get a big long knife fight. Yeah. And I was, I was pretty... Pretty worn out by that point. And then you're worn out, right? And then they, they fight underwater. And <laughs> Well, you Jake know, chokes him out underwater. Chokes him out underwater. Kills him again. But, but he doesn't because Spider saves him. And which. But wants nothing to do with him. But wants nothing to do with him. He I, just, hated, I hated that bit. 
He's, he's, he saves them and he brings, so the Colonel's coming back and, and Avatar 3. Uh, my curiosity <laughs> with that is if he has a character arc now because. Where he gets redeemed. Where he gets redeemed because he's in Avatar body and all of these things. But if he comes back as a villain one more time. Well, we're two movies in. And that he, that is that is going to be. I'm not going to uh, see any more of these movies. We're two three hour movies in, and he hasn't really been given any any inkling of, of depth of feeling beyond wanting to murder. Well, I mean, I, I think he's starting to like. I think he he's learning the way of the, the Navi. Navi. So, like, he undergoes the same arc that Jake Sully underwent in the first film. I think, I hope that that's where it's going in, in, this, in the third one. That would at least be something. I think the third movie is called The Seed Bearer, and it's about finding Kiri's dad. Interesting. Is it? I don't know. Mm. What kind well, of title is The Seed Bearer? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Not into that. <laughs> You know, we're we're skimming through a lot of things. There's a lot of cool, like, underwater stuff. Like, there's, like, butterfly wings that allow you to breathe underwater. Um, but we're, we're skipping on Kiri. Kiri. She ha has a seizure at some point. Like, she hooks up to the, the fucking. That's not what we're skipping. We're skipping that she's got some kind of connection to Mother. She's got some kind of connection to the. That's she has the, the seizure. She the tries connecting, yeah. connecting to, like, the home route. And, and I, she gets I think a seizure. she gets overwhelmed because she's she's feeling everything at that point, right? Because she's got extra sensitivity and she can really um, get the animals and the plants to to do what she wants. She's like extra force sensitive. Yeah, she say. is. Um, I guess we'll explore that more in the third film. Uh, that would be my guess. Um, but I'll tell you. If the rest of the, the movies here are going to be shown at like wacky frame rates I, I i'm not down for that <laughs> i don't want to see any more of that yeah. i definitely like i i want to give this movie another watch at 24 frames probably at home like do you think they'll slow it down on the home the standard the, rate the for Blue film Ray? is 24 frames so he's the only one fucking around like this with 80 frames <laughs> I think it's 60. I think it's like, I think it varies shot to shot. Yeah. Like he's going crazy with this. But I, I guess what freaks me out is that like, I thought that was like a 3D thing, like 3D high frame rate. If that's, if you want all the bells and whistles, go for that. But like, we just, we wanted to watch this in 2D and we got the high frame rate experience. Like is every print of this going to have that with high that frame high frame rate? Like if I, like if I wanted to go back to the theater and just watch the straight 24 frames presentation, does that exist? Maybe you would have to possibly do that in like a regular theater and not Dolby and not whatever. Maybe because it was because maybe, it was Dolby. Yeah. I don't know. I, I it, it wasn't advertised as high frame rate. So I just, I feel like that was forced on me. I didn't want to watch it that way for my first feeling. Yeah, because it definitely took away from things. I, I hated it. I, I, we we may be more into this film if it wasn't that frame rate. Yeah, I just I want to be able to just track the action with my eyes, <laughs> and I, I you know I I just want like a steady frame rate version. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I I hope Cameron abandons that bullshit. Yeah. I, I mean. Uh, and I think at the well, and and at first the, James Cameron movie yeah. that really just did not work for me. And I think where they're heading is they're going to unite the tribes on Pandora and fight, fight Quaritch again. 
Or fight, fight the gut, like the earth government. <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm already kind of worn out with this, yeah. this fucking movie, this, this franchise. Um, I, I wish Cameron had committed himself to Alita battle angel. Like I agree. I love Alita. Oh, that was so much fun. Instead of directing Alita battle angel, he handed that off to Robert Rodriguez so he could get back into the avatar world. Alita battle angel clearly has more left to explore with its characters and its world. Avatar I, does not like Avatar. Is, it might be like this is milked dry. It, it's done. It, it was you know listen like the <laughs> the visuals are amazing. Like where the it first is, movie ended great. was yeah. great. The first movie yeah. would have been a baller one off. I made yeah. Titanic, crushed it. Made wow. Avatar, crushed, crushed it. it. Now I'm gonna make Alita Battle Angel. I'm gonna crush it. It's yeah. it, I I. He's lost me with this like endless Avatar sequel bullshit. Well, yeah, because how many other movies are gonna like six? Right? They've already filmed the next one. Yeah, and it's gonna come out in two years, and then another one two years after that, and then maybe a third. Uh, but it, but it's already made what four hundred and fifty million dollars internationally. I mean, we know with James Cameron movies, it's the long game. It's a long. It's game. It's all about the word of mouth. I don't see this movie topping Avatar. I think it's real simple why Avatar did so well. It delivered on its promise. It did. And the promise was, this is a big screen spectacle adventure. It's experience. Like you haven't seen before. Yeah. And people went and saw it, and it delivered on that. And people went and saw it again. And I don't know what this movie delivers on. Other than the whales. <laughs> You're going to see some whales. You're going to spend a solid hour with some whales. So, so Patrick, <laughs> do you uh, think this movie was a good date movie? You and I did not walk out feeling great. No. <laughs> so I think like you like I you did. needed a drink. I did. Well, I got I got this like blue concoction <laughs> that the bartender made at um, the theater and it stained my teeth. It's because they used some kind of like glitter. That it was made an it. avatar it was, themed drink. Yeah. Yeah. And they made like the, the drink look like it. There's waves in it. Which was pretty cool. I mean, it was a good drink or whatever. Well, strong you're drinking, drink. You're drinking it in the dark. so. But like it stained my hands for a couple of days, even after multiple washing and like, oh, it was fun. The stain of Avatar. The stain you, you of can't get Avatar. It off okay, so you said you would give this a C minus. Yeah. Uh, I would give it a, a C. We agree it's not a great date movie. And um, I mean, is there anything else to add? Well, I mean, you know, obviously art is subjective. If you love it, I mean, it's got a 93% audience rating right now. So it's it's still being rated really well. We're just a little, little picky when it comes to the quality of movies. I have to imagine that the high frame rate effect is going to be very polarizing. Like a large number of people who experience it that way are going to be like, what the hell is wrong with the picture? Yeah. So I, I can't recommend seeing the movie unless you can find a 24 frames version. But, you know, to each their own. Some people love it. Yeah. We did not. Uh. <laughs> we don't go to the movies to hate on it. We, no. I mean, I wanted we, we, I wanted a transporting experience. Gosh, we want a good movie, people. <laughs> like, come on. Like I, you, you could use a good movie right about the now. The last like four <laughs> movies you've brought me to. And I'm taking you to like stuff like the Fablemans. Yeah. Right. Which is supposed to be one of the year's best. Horrible. Not, not Spielberg's best. Man. <laughs> like, um, I mean, the, oh, what, the what best else? one is the menu that you've taken me to. And that was, I had very low 
low hopes for that. And I was like, oh, this well, is also, interesting. We saw Glass Onion, and that was better than expected. Right, the Knives Out sequel? Glass Onion was better than expected, but still. It, it helps to go in with low expectations. Yeah. I really, and going into this Avatar sequel, I really didn't allow myself to get that excited other than it's a new James Cameron movie. Yeah. And like that, in my book, that used to be something to be excited about. But um, but I guess. I guess but maybe maybe the old guard of directing, need they, they need to hang their hats up and say, hey, we did a great job. Let's bring in some new talent. <laughs> Let let's start like helping others get to where we we are, and they they they're not doing that. No, no, the movies have a lot of problems, and I mean that's that's one of them. So that is Avatar: The Way of Water, directed by James Cameron. You can find more episodes at Anchor.fm/slash/MovieDateNight, as well as on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, where you can rate and review. Don't forget to check out our feature film, Tiny Dancers, which is streaming right now on Prime Video. And you can also email us at datenightmoviepodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, I'm Patrick. I'm Ashley. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.